food bloggers. Hi, how are you today? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. This is the place for food bloggers to get information and inspiration to accelerate your blog's growth and ultimately help you to achieve your freedom, whether that's financial, personal, or professional. I'm Megan Porta, and I've been a food blogger for over 12 years. I understand how isolating food blogging can be at times. I'm on a mission to motivate, inspire, and most importantly, let each and every food blogger, including you, know that you are heard and supported. One of the topics that I never get tired of talking about on this podcast is landing brand deals, working with sponsors, because everyone I talk to has a different perspective. Everybody has different tips, different strategies they use that work really well. And that is definitely the case in this episode. I talk to Brianna. She is from Need the Recipe. She talks to us about landing paid brand deals as a small creator. She debunks the myth that you need 10K followers on Instagram. You don't need anywhere close to that. And she is proof of this. Her story is proof of this. She also talks to us about media kits, setting rates, not getting discouraged, standing firm with your rates, and many other little nuggets are included. So I hope you really enjoy this episode. Whether you are wanting to work with brands or it's not on your radar, I guarantee you by the end, you will be considering it. This is episode number 438, sponsored by Rank IQ. Food bloggers, are you wanting to tap into additional revenue and improve your site experience for users? Chicory might be a great solution for you. Chicory is a leading monetization platform for food bloggers, enabling you to integrate highly relevant, shoppable ads into your recipe content and earn revenue from top CPG brands. Chicory's hyper-contextual ads and shoppable technology will help you improve your site experience and engagement, allowing your readers to go from inspiration to checkout in just a few clicks. Enjoy easy installation and ongoing access to the Chicory team at zero cost to you. Chicory makes it easy to track your earnings, optimize your blog content using recipe insights, and connect with its team. Plus, with integrations with leading ad networks such as Mediavine and 60-plus retailers, Chicory makes it so simple to get started earning revenue today. Head to eblogtalk.com forward slash resources and click the Chicory link to get started. Scroll down to the Chicory logo, click the button that says learn more about Chicory, or you can go to chicory.co slash food bloggers to learn more and sign up. That's chicory.co slash food bloggers. Brie started on Instagram in January 2023 and then followed with a food blog in February 2023. She always had a passion for writing and cooking, but never thought that she would be able to do something like this. Brianna loves sharing easy meals that are family-friendly and perfect for those with busy schedules. She has been food blogging full-time as of last month and could not be more grateful for the opportunity. Hello, Brie. Welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Hi, Megan. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good too. Thanks for asking. We're going to talk about brand deals today and everything that goes along with that. Do you have some background to share with your own story and some tips that you have? But first, do you have a fun fact to share with us? Yeah. So a fun fact is that I've lived in three different countries and five different states. That's always something that people are surprised to hear because growing up, everyone is always like, what? I've lived here my whole life. 
Like, you know, I've been around, my parents' job always was changing. And so I've lived in Canada, Romania, the US, and then the states I've lived in are South Carolina, North Carolina, California, Oregon, and Texas. And as of right now, I'm in Texas for the past 10 years. So seems like I like this the most out of everywhere. That's so funny. And your states are like all around, literally all around the country. It's not like, you know, Midwest states. It's kind of like... (laughs) the opposite ends of the country. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's great. I love it. And how do you like Texas? I love it. And you know, the, the heat is something that I'm still not used to, which is insane, but this summer has been exceptionally hot, (laughs) but you know, we, we just deal with it. We have AC and you know, we just, we just make do. So, but I, I do love Texas. You know, the food's great. The people are great. Lots of land, you know, it's nice here. Yeah. Good. Glad you like it there. I am so grateful that you're here to talk about this. So you have some tips for people who are looking to get into doing sponsored work. I love the things you have written down here, but I would love to just start with having you talk through your blogging journey a little bit and how that evolved into working with sponsors. Yeah, of course. So I actually started my food blog in February, which was one month after I started my Instagram account. And I had just graduated college in December and I was struggling trying to find a job that I actually loved. And I majored in public health. And, you know, during COVID, that was an insanely huge field to be in. But, you know, as it kind of, you know, dispersed and it wasn't a public emergency anymore, like there weren't as many jobs. And so I was just really struggling with, you know, do I still want to be in this field? Should I go on? And I had always loved to cook, but I never considered, you know, culinary school or anything like that. And I was like, you know, this is the time where if I wanted to, I should just make the blog now. And so I had no experience with websites, no experience with photography, but I did love to write. And so that's really what propelled me to literally start the blog in one week. I already built the website and had everything ready. And so it was a very fast process, but I haven't looked back since. And it's been so amazing. And the Instagram, I never expected to be focused on that. I started this with the full intention of, okay, I'm going to monetize the blog. But then little do you know (laughs) that it takes a long time to monetize a blog you have to get, you know, many page views and sessions and all those things. And so I started the Instagram and I started posting more on there. And I was like, wow, this could be a really great tool for monetization later. And just as I kept posting and posting, I started seeing other accounts with paid partnerships, but of course they had 50,000 followers Mm. or a hundred thousand. And I was like, that could never be me. I'm going to go focus on the blog. But then, you know, that, that obviously changed. And I'm, I'm so grateful that I was able to, you know, branch out into something that was new for me and I end up loving it even more than anything I've ever done. So talking about your blog versus Instagram, is there one that you enjoy more? I think now I do enjoy Instagram more and I never thought that that would be the case, but I've met so many amazing creators and I have such a great community of people that we're all doing the same thing. So it's so great that you can talk to people who are like-minded and I've been able to help so many people and it just really brings me joy. Whereas the blog, it's like, you know, it's just you and the blog, you know, and you don't have as you don't have anyone to talk to. You're just writing. And I do love to write, you know, it's, it's a tough one, but I am, I'm going to go with Instagram for sure. It's just, I love interacting with people. Okay. And then on Instagram, have you been able to connect with a lot of sponsors? Have you been able to monetize pretty well that way? Yes, I have actually. Most of the sponsors that I've done 
It has been for an Instagram reel. Only two of my sponsorships are actually for blog posts. So eventually I would love to grow that to where more brands, you know, want to work with me in that regard, where I would create a recipe and then link them back to my blog. But yeah, most of them, I'll say like probably 75% have been Instagram reels. Wow. Okay. And then just for frame of reference, I haven't looked like super detailed at your account, but how many followers do you have now? Now I have 4,000 followers. Okay. Okay. So this myth that you need 10,000 followers is not true. You've been getting work doing this, right? With 4,000 followers. Absolutely. And I actually got my first deal right under 2,000. And so people are, yeah, always shocked to hear that because that's unheard of. No one really talks about payment. I don't think there's a lot of pay transparency still in the Instagram world. I think there are a lot of people who, you know, want to gatekeep because they don't want other people to get paid and all this stuff. But I'm like, no, the more we all know that we can get paid, the better it is for all of us because then the industry rate is higher instead of so many people doing it for free. And then brands would rather work with those people instead of getting a different type of content. So that's what what I'm trying to tell people is like, you don't need to wait for 10K. There's no point in waiting. Your content is amazing now. If you're putting in the work now, if you're putting in eight to 15 hours to make a recipe, what do the followers have to do with that? Okay. So you did yours at around 2K followers, your first one, but do you believe that people even under that number could get brand deals? Oh, absolutely. I always say that if I would have known, I would have started pitching brands a lot sooner even at 800, 1,000. I have a friend who at 900 got a brand deal. It's really about how you pitch yourself to brands and what you bring to the table because brands are a business and they want to see like, are you going to bring us more content, more exposure, more sales? You have to be clear with what you're offering. You can't just expect the brand to you know, hop in your DMs. I'm sure a lot of them will and I have a lot that do. But when you pitch, it really changes the game because you're the one who's in charge now. Yeah. So being clear with your offerings and then also I imagine being clear with the things you're best at, right? Like the qualities that you, that really make you stand out. Absolutely. And that's, that. if that's stop motion video for some people, or maybe you're really great at specific types of food photography, or you're really good at writing. So you want to focus on blog. You need to tell the brands that because they're not going to just look on your page, but it, it should be clear that you're good at something, but you want to reiterate that. Because as soon as you tell them, then they're like, okay, this is what's valuable and this is what this person specializes in. And so they're more willing to hear you out. Okay. So talk about the pitch. How do you go through the pitch? How do you find that? There's a lot of questions I want to ask. So I'll I'll start with that. (laughs) Like, how do you find the brand that you want to pitch to and how do you go about that? So the first thing I do always is look in my cabinet look in my shelves, look in my house, everywhere. I find brands that I already use. And I think that's so important as a creator to, you know, it's a, it's establishes your credibility with your audience too, because it's not like, oh, I just work with this random brand because they paid me. It's like, no, I've been using this brand for years or, you know, my family introduced me to this brand or I've been cooking with this. I cook every day with this seasoning or whatever it is. So that's my biggest tip is to just Go in and look at what sugar do you use? What flour do you use? Do you have a certain brand for, you know, plates or silverware, anything, and then go from there first. And that's where I found the most success is brands that I already use, because then my pitch becomes so much more natural, right? Because then I can just 
go to my DMs, find them and say, you know, I've been using your product for a while and I specifically love this product and I would love to work with you with in recipe development because that's what I specialize in. So that's what I always am pitching is recipe development. But I do let them know I do have other services. But for sure, I think pitching brands that are in your house is going to be the first step. Um, It just makes things a lot smoother. And how do you find brands? Because I find that when I try to reach out to brands in the past, when I've tried to do this, it's hard sometimes to find the right people. And you keep sending emails to the same email address over and over. And you're like, well, I don't even know where else to find these people. So how do you go about that? Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes the DM, they'll give you the email contact. That's just like media at whatever.com. And you can tell that that's the general one where they get so many other inquiries and you just know your emails about to get lost. But some, some people are actually nice and they give you the real name for the person. But in the case where they give me a general email, what I usually will do is use LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is going to be a really awesome resource for looking up the brand and finding out who's their VP of marketing, who is their uh, social media strategist, all these things. You can find it because it's on, it's a public forum, you know, so it's all the information is on there. I've had success with finding people from big brands on LinkedIn. So that's like my little trick that I definitely would recommend. Okay. Yeah. I never think of LinkedIn. (laughs) I have a LinkedIn account and my husband's always like, you need to be on LinkedIn more, but I just don't go there enough. But that is like a secret little gem there. Yeah, for sure. And it's like for us, you know, we have so many other platforms. It's like, really, do I have to get on one more? (laughs) Yeah. But I think it is worth it, honestly. If you could make like a separate account for your food blog, a separate LinkedIn account, I think that would be really smart. Okay. So you found the person you want to talk to and how do you pitch them? What do you say to them? So I always tell people don't, don't go in as like this big fan and try to, you know, Oh my gosh, I love you. And I've been using it. For, you know, don't, don't do that. They get so many messages like that. And of course they're, they're thrilled to hear that you love their products, but you have to realize that like the person behind the social media, you have no idea who it is. They probably are just an intern, you know, you know, you don't know who's there. So it's, it's not really, right. don't pour your heart and soul out. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. So make sure that you go in with a professional mindset, but keep it short and sweet to the point. I always just will give a specific product that I love because I want them to know that I actually know about their products. You want them to know that you did your research. So if I pitch a sugar brand, I'll say like, I specifically like your brown sugar and I just made blah, blah, blah last week, muffins last week. So I want them, you know, you start a little bit of a conversation there to get their attention. And then from there, like I said, you offer what service is your best. So I offer recipe development. And I would love to work with you this summer or this fall. If you could please give me a great email to send a project proposal to, I would really appreciate it. And then from there, they'll they'll send you that email. So that's what's been working for me is always being specific with the product that I actually love and then offering my service. I think that's the best way to do it. Don't send a super long DM because they will definitely not read it. <laughs> it's Instagram. you know. People just want to scroll, right? They just want to read it and be done. So keep it, keep it short. I'd say like three sentences. Yeah. Cause you think about people who send you DMS on Instagram and when I get the really long ones, I'm like out, <laughs> no, thank you. Yes, definitely. So just thinking about what you can tolerate and then applying that to your pitches as well. And then what about media kits? Do you have a media kit put together? And at what point do you send that? Yes. So the media kit is a really important piece, I feel like for small creators, especially it's basically like your resume. It shows 
other brands you've worked with in the past, it shows your best work, like your photos that you're most proud of, you put on there, you put your audience demographics. So what their ages are, where they're from, is the majority in the US. Brands really like to know this kind of stuff. And so you can make that in Canva. It honestly is so easy. There's plenty of templates and you'll send that in the email stage. That is where when you send that email pitch after you've DM them and you've gotten that email, you go to your email and you send a longer pitch. This is where you can start pouring your heart out if you want to, <laughs> but be careful. <laughs> but you know, you can make it a little longer. You can have three paragraphs broken up. And then you say at the end, I've attached my media kit for review. And that is a way for brands to immediately get that fast overlook of your page without having to scroll through your 75 posts. The media kit should tell them everything they need to know. There shouldn't be any surprises there. They sh- your niche should be like super clear. They shouldn't be like, is this person in the food industry or the lifestyle or fashion? Like it should be super clear what you're working in. So yeah, media kits are definitely really important. And then, so your niche, you should spell that out, like who exactly they are. Demographics, do you get into that too? Yeah. So for the about me, definitely in the first sentence, just putting like, I am a food blogger based in. Texas. That's what I usually do. And that works. And then in the middle of my media kit is where I do demographics. Sometimes they want even more information. It really depends on what the brand's goals are for their campaign. But I'd say at the very least, just including like the percentage of male and female, what the ages, are they based in the US, things like that. And then sometimes they want to know what are the top cities because some brands are only local to certain areas. So it wouldn't make sense for them to work with you if they're running a campaign, let's say like to increase their sales in a certain region, but then you're in the other side of the (laughs) world, you know, it wouldn't make sense. So definitely demographics aren't a huge part, but it it is important to keep that in there just to show them that like, Hey, I I did my research. Okay. And then obviously you have like follower numbers and all of that information in there as well. Yes. Follower numbers. And if you want to combine all of your followers from all of your social platforms, you can definitely do that. Or you can break it up and specifically say like TikTok is this, Instagram is this, but yeah, it's totally up to you. And then you're, you want to put your engagement rate. That's one that people have trouble calculating. But if you look up online, like super quick Google search and just say how to calculate engagement rate on Instagram, it'll tell you to, you know, go into your settings, find What's the percentage of people that engage with your content? And then you divide that by your followers to find it. Super simple. Make sure you have that on there because brands will always ask for that. Yeah, I think I looked that up once because I'm like, my brain cannot compute that (laughs) on its own. (laughs) But there are like little calculators and things that help you walk through that. So absolutely. Virtual Tastemaker Conference is the place where content creators come together online to build community with fellow foodies and brands and learn from top industry experts and experience the magic of Tastemaker. This year's Virtual Tastemaker Conference 2023 theme is monetizing your business. Tastemaker wants to help you learn new and different ways to monetize or how to focus on things you could be doing but could maybe fine-tune to make it even more effective. This event is perfect for those who want to start monetizing their blog or content creation. Not only are there amazing educational opportunities within this virtual conference, but the experience and ability to connect with the community is the best part. You don't want to miss out on this incredible opportunity. Head over to eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources. Scroll down to the Tastemaker logo and find the orange button labeled sign up for virtual Tastemaker. Eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources. Anything else on the media kit that we should include? 
here's a little thing that I like to do on a media kit is link my videos on the photo. So like if I put a nice photo that I like, I'll, I'll put the link to my Instagram reel. So that way they can click on it and it'll lead them. So I think it's a really smart thing to do if you are, you know, focusing on both photography and videography and you're like, man, I want them to see my work, but you know, a media kit is a still photo. So you can't put your video there. I think that's a great way. You could just make a little note in your media kit, like click on the photo to see my recent work. And brands will love that because it makes it more interactive and they can check out your videos too. And you can just hit two birds with one stone there. That is so brilliant. I love that. I've never heard anyone, anyone mention that. And yeah, I'm telling you, Canva makes it all easy. You don't have to do anything. It's make, they make it so simple. Canva is like a dream for us. It makes our lives so much easier. I love it. Same here. Yeah. So one discouraging point that I know I hear a lot of food bloggers talk about is sending out a pitch, finding the contact they think and never hearing back and then sending out another pitch, like a follow-up. So how often do you do that? And how do you not get discouraged with that? So I can't lie. That is the worst part of this. It's it's so bad to, you know, put all this information and work out and you're really proud and you want to work with this brand. And then it's like a week goes by and you're like, okay. And then it's like two weeks. You're like, okay, <laughs> what's going on? Like, I know you're busy, but like, we're all busy. Come on. You know, definitely I send follow-ups, but I don't just send like two or three. Sometimes I send seven. So this is like a long process. You're not going to work with the brand the week after you pitch them. So I I think on average, I, I would say like five to seven times before I get my first email response, just the first one that, you know, maybe will ask me a simple question and we're not even into the negotiating mm. yet. So the process to get a brand deal can take up to three, four months. It's not an easy process and, and it's easy to get in, in, you know, discouraged. But what I do is I just try to you know, flip the mindset of there's always going to be other brands out there. There's so many and there's so many local brands that, you know, when you go to the store and you, you're like, oh, I've never seen this one before. And you can start, you know, maybe using some new brands as well. What I try to do is I don't just pitch these, let's say I pitched seven emails that week. And then I'm just like waiting to hear back for months and months and then follow up with them. No, I'm also pitching even more. So it's like, as you're following up with those ones from last week, you've pitched already like seven more. So it's always like about adding more and more and more pitches. You never want to just hang on those seven or those five that you did last month. You always want to be increasing every week the amount of brands you pitch. Because when you think about it, it's more options, right? Like the more people that you've reached out to, the more chances you have of working with the brand. So that's what helps me not get discouraged is I kind of keep a list of, of more people to reach out to. But yeah, definitely when I tell people how long it takes, they're like, no way. I'm like, yes. <laughs> It takes a long time. Yeah. So like I just posted a video the other day that was like three months in the making and people will never know that because once you post a video, they're like, oh, she probably made that a couple of days ago, you yeah. know, but it's all on the brand's timeline. Right. I loved what you said earlier about just not limiting yourself to like the brands that are in your awareness now, like as you're walking through the store, kind of look around and see what else you're using? There are so many food brands, and that's why this is a great opportunity for food bloggers. The world is your oyster. There are so many brands, big and small and everything in between, that you can look into, right? I mean, don't limit yourself to those big, big brands Absolutely. that are well-known in the industry for paying food bloggers. Look outside of that. 
Absolutely. Because you'd be surprised that I've actually had better luck with smaller brands. They actually have a bigger budget than these bigger brands, unless, you know, sometimes the bigger brands will lie and say that they don't have a budget because some of them are more selective and they might have a quota of like, we can only work with this amount of people or you need this amount of followers. I'm not going to lie. There are some brands that do care about followers, but I'll tell you the sweet spot for me has been working with brands in between like three and 10 K followers. These are those like smaller to medium sized businesses. They seem to be way more willing to work with me. And that's very interesting because of course I always say first pitch, whatever's in your house, but After that, definitely go branch out. I found so many new brands just by walking in my store. I'll take pictures of new brands that are local or new brands I've never heard before and pitch them. And then I'm more, I get more responses from that sometimes. So definitely, yeah, don't, don't just limit yourself to the brands, you know, but definitely start with that. Um, just so that way you're more comfortable, but then yeah, you'll gain that confidence to be able to reach out to even more later on. Do you keep track of all this? Do you have a spreadsheet or something that keeps track of all of it? Yeah. I just use a simple Excel right Mm -hmm. now and I just kind of write down and I'll put whether they responded or not. And then I put the time that it took from start to finish. Um, I'm I'm starting to want to like track the hours because I've, I need to realize like how long it takes, like the administrative side of things, you know, because I always calculate how long it takes to make content, right? Mm-hmm. But the behind the scenes is even as much work, honestly. Yeah, right. So you said don't get discouraged. Keep going. If you right. haven't heard back, how many times do you follow up? I would say if they haven't answered within six to seven days, follow up once every six to seven days. That's okay. what I would do. And then is there a cutoff there? Do you do it like... A handful of times. I cut it off personally by like the the seventh or eighth time I'm following up. I I kind of am like, okay, we're, we're done. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, go ahead if you want to keep going, but it's like I can put that time and energy into a brand that is going to read my email. You know. So. Yeah. Right. Okay. Let's see. What about rates? At what point do you mention rates, and do you do that on a case by case basis, or how does that go for you? Yeah. So definitely with rates, you don't want to give them to the brand right up front because they might ghost you. You know, you don't want to scare them away. You definitely want to ask questions first about, you know, what are they looking for out of this partnership? What is their campaign goals? And tell them that you make custom rates. That's what I do. I don't believe you should be charging the same for every brand because some brands are bigger, some brands are smaller, or let's say this is a seasonal campaign, right? Brands have a way bigger budget when it's like Christmas compared to something in summer, right? So you have to really think about that whenever you're going about your rates. But I I give it to them probably, I'd say like the third email into it. That's when they start asking like, okay, so this content you said you'd like to make this recipe, like how, how much is that going to be? Like what's ballpark? And a lot of people, their first thing is, let me just give them my rate. But I actually would say not to do that. I would say flip the script on them and ask them, what is your current budget for this service? Because you don't want to lowball yourself. And if you end up saying 500, but they had an allotted, you know, 1500 for this campaign, they're not going to tell you that. Yeah. They're not going to say, oops, sorry, it's actually 1500. Let us give you more. They're going to be like, <laughs> oh, 500. Yeah, totally. We can do that because now they can work with two other people. Yeah. So always ask for their budget first. And yeah, some brands aren't going to give it. They're going to be like, oh, this person's smarter than we thought. But, you know, say it in a way that's like respectful. Like, you know, can can I have a budget range, please? I just want to better understand how I can help you. And then from there, I would give your rates after. Okay. I love that. Just asking for the budget first because 
I mean, there's a chance they'll give it to you. And then it could be surprisingly more than what you were expecting. And then also, like, what if there is, if a brand gives you a rate that's like kind of borderline, but you feel like, I don't know, this is not really enough. I usually don't do it, but it's like, you know, not too far off. How firm do you stay with what you have in mind for your own rates? So I stay pretty firm, but it does depend. If I really do love the brand and I see that they they truthfully don't have the budget and they're not just saying that, when I look and I see like, okay, this brand just started up, you know, whatever, two years ago, and I look and they haven't worked with any creators yet, I'm more willing to get a lower rate for that. You know, I my my goal is to help the business out, right? I'm, I would rather, you know, work with them and help them instead of saying, oh, no, sorry, like you were 20 off or 50 off or 100 off or something like that. But like I said, it's definitely a case by case basis for that. But if it's a bigger brand, I will definitely stand firm. It's just not worth it underballing yourself. And then you're, you know, shooting the content two weeks later and you're just feeling horrible about yourself because you're like, wow, I'm doing all this work and it's not my usual rate. You know, you're going to feel a little bit off. And, you know, no amount of money is going to make up for that feeling of when you're editing and you post it and you're just not proud of it because of, you know, let's, you know, let's be honest, money does drive us, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you know that you got paid less than what you're worth, you're going to feel terrible. So that's why I always say stand firm and it's just not worth it. There'll be a brand that comes along that'll give you even more, you know? Yeah. So it's just all about being patient. It takes one situation for you to learn that. I've had one, I know I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I did one brand deal a long time ago with a big company and they did not pay me well. The contract was not clear if we even had one to begin. And it was like this whole summer of back and forth garbage that was just it like ruined my summer. Like it was my fault. Obviously I allowed it to ruin my summer, but in my mind I was like, oh my gosh, I have to redo this. And it was just like, I was not being paid enough. That's all it took for me to learn that I need to stand firm and charge more. And I think if you experience that one like situation like I did, then you never go back. Unfortunately, sometimes we have to learn the hard way. <laughs> Absolutely. That's happened to me too. Don't worry. It's, oh, good. <laughs> it, I feel like you're right. It does have to happen. You just recently, a brand told me in the contract, you know, they only would get one revision for a reel. And then they asked for three. Oh, and you know, that was tough because I didn't put in the contract, you know, I charge extra for revisions. That wasn't something that I thought about. And now I for sure will be charging yeah. extra for revisions because reshooting content is no joke, oh. especially when you've already allotted a time for that. And you've spent the entire week, you know, editing and it's like, nope, two more times. So yeah, definitely standing firm on yeah. everything is so important. The revision thing is huge too. Make sure you have that in your contract. Learn from us because that was the piece that was missing for me. And I got, okay, so I did like a whole video, turned in a draft, and then they had like a few revisions throughout the summer that I made changes to. At the end of the summer, they asked me for an entirely new video. And I was like, wait a second. You had me make revision. You saw the video multiple times. And then they asked me for a new video. And I was just like, no, I cannot do this. So definitely throw that in the contract. Yeah. And we're not trying to scare you guys with brand deals, but you know, you have to know some of them are cutthroat. Like you're not gonna work with the nicest people. That's what I've noticed. Like out of the I'd say I've done 10 partnerships so far and 
I'd say half of them I really enjoyed working with and the other half, not so much left a sour taste in my mouth, you know, but you live and learn and you learn how to do better and you learn how to stand more firm and, you know, you learn how to put your foot down because at the end of the day, like you're the boss of, you know, your business and you know what you're the best at, you know what your audience loves. And if they want you to do a revision and you're like, well, I know my audience doesn't like this, then you have to tell them that. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's going on your page, right? Yeah. So it's important for you to be a part of that decision. And the clearer you are with your boundaries in the beginning, the less likely any of this is going to happen. Like the the nightmare story I told you about, it was all my fault. I was not clear. I didn't know any better. I was just like, okay, cool. They're going to pay me. You didn't know better. Yeah. We're just excited to get paid. <laughs> yeah. They're going to pay me a couple hundred dollars. And then it was like... 0% worth it. So just being really clear up front what you're worth and what you're willing to do for what amount of money is huge. It will take you a long way. Is there anything else we need to know, Bree, before we start saying goodbye about working with brands? Anyone who is wanting to get into this, did we forget anything? One thing I would say is just for anyone who's maybe still confused about how to set their rates, I just wanted to share really quickly kind of the equation that I use. Because I know some people like to charge based off of their followers and they'll take like a percentage, let's say 10%, 15% of whatever amount of followers. I don't think that's smart because the followers doesn't matter when it comes to how much time you spent. If if someone sees your reel, they're not going to be like, oh, wow. They must have 10,000 followers because that's a 30 second reel. They don't, that doesn't mean anything. They don't know how long it took you to edit that 30 second reel. It must have been, you know, it could have been 30 minutes of footage, right? So, what I like to do is I add up the amount of hours it's taken me from start to finish for the recipe. So, that's driving to get the ingredients, prepping the meal, cooking it, editing the photos, taking the photos, editing the video. I add up at that all up and then I times that by an hourly rate. And that's how I get my base rate. And so for the hourly rate, it's really up to you. That's kind of like something that you're going to have to be comfortable with. I tell people, if you're not comfortable, just charge what you get paid at your nine to five. For those of you that aren't doing this full time. So let's say you get paid $30, do that. And then times that by, let's say 10 hours. And then you have your, your rate right there for your, let's say post or reel or whatever you made that took that long. I personally think that this is the best, best deal for you and the brand because the brand needs to know how long it takes to actually make this content. It's not super easy. Like some people think you're just snapping a photo, right? And just moving on. I think it's really important that you know your worth and eventually you can start increasing that hourly rate based on if you've bought more equipment or if you think your quality has increased, or let's say you bought a new camera or something, or let's just say you're more confident in your work now and you think you provide more value. You could definitely start increasing that. But I recommend doing that versus like, oh, 10% of my followers, like that doesn't really have anything to do with your content. So I just wanted to put that out there. If anyone had questions about that, definitely DM me on Instagram and I would love to explain that more. But I think that's the best way to go about it. I love it. Love that formula. Now, if somebody is doing this full time and doesn't have another job and has no idea what to put in there for the hourly rate, do you have kind of a range Yeah, I would say the range, I personally would do 30 to 50 starting out because I think that's, that's only fair because when you think about it, we're, we're kind of doing 10 jobs in one, right? We're food photographers, we're writers, we're, (laughs) we're like marketing, we're social media, we're, we're all these things. And when you take the industry standard rates for all these types of jobs, 
it's around 30 to 50 an hour. Okay. So for me, I think this would only be fair as if, cause we're doing everything <laughs> by ourselves. Most of us, right. Until we get, you know, some more people on our team. So I think, I think 30 to 50 is a, a pretty safe shot. Okay. I love it. Love it. Love it. Anything else before we say goodbye? This has all been so amazing. Um, no, I think that was pretty much it. Thank you for sharing all this. I feel like it was definitely a new spin and you added some novel things in here that we haven't touched on before. So thank you so much for all of this. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Do you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration to leave us with? Yeah, just words of inspiration is, I know it's like, it sounds corny, but honestly, just not giving up in this field and not thinking that you are the, you know, you're, you're just not good enough. Right. Or you think there's too many people out there doing this and if the space is too large for you, that's not true. And that is really a limiting belief that it's going to hurt you in the end, because when you're always worried about what everyone else is doing and you're comparing, Oh, look at what camera she has, or look how many brands she's worked with, you're going to be stuck down in a pit because you're looking up at what everyone else is doing, right? You need to climb out of this pit that we've built for ourselves. And that way you can be at the top and you can be the person that gets those goals ready. And you can be the person getting brand deals and working with, you know, your favorite people or improving your blog or your photos, anything. It's just, we're the people that puts us in, puts ourselves in these pits, you know, in our, in our lives. And it's really important to just remind ourselves, you know, not to be a victim in this and to always rise to the top and just look around and and just be grateful for where you're at. Be grateful that you're at 200 followers or that you're at a thousand followers, 2000, so on and so forth. And I think being grateful will really reap benefits in in the future. Brie, that was the best pep talk I've heard in so long. I'm going to like re listen to that over and over every day this week. Thank you. That was so amazing. Thank you so much. So many good things thrown in there. Thank you so much. It was so such a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, we'll put together a show notes page for you, Brie. If anyone wants to go look at those, head over to eatblogtalk.com forward slash need the recipe. Need is like need bread, K-N-E-A-D. So tell everyone where they can find you, Brie. Yeah, so you can find me at Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Need the Recipe. And my blog is needtherecipe.com. Awesome. Thank you again so much for being here. And thank you for listening, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. Don't forget to head to forum.eatblogtalk.com to join our free discussion forum and connect with and learn from like-minded peers. I will see you next time. 